Well, we are moving through a series we're calling Recruited. Recruited out of our mess to make him known. And it comes from this passage right here where it says, We are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you may proclaim the praises. That you may make known the praises. That you may make known who this Jesus is. The one who's called us out of darkness, this messy life that we have, into his marvelous light. We've talked about so far, just a couple things to, to, to remind us of, that we are recruited out of our mess to be his people, just like that says. We are recruited to make him known then with God-like conduct. The, the scripture tells us we are to be holy, we are to be set apart, we are to be like God in all circumstances. So we've gone through that portion. And then to break down just here where we've been the last four weeks, we're recruited to make him known to everyone, including the difficult despite suffering. And then Dan walked us through a passage last week where we are recruited to make him known with urgency because we don't know when the end is coming. could be the next hour. could be the next day. could be the next thousand years. We don't know. So we go with urgency because we know that people need Jesus Christ for hope. So we're recruited to make him known with urgency, and we're recruited with trust through all circumstances. Now, Dan got to have a little bit of a breather when it comes to suffering, and so now we're going to jump back into this section on suffering. We go into chapter 5, and then chapter 5, we're, we're relieved of talking about suffering, okay? So if you feel like you're suffering because we're talking about so much suffering, there is some relief in sight after Thanksgiving. But I trust that through this, this week, you'll be thankful. I want to be, challenge you even to think about that now. Are you thankful for suffering? You may think I'm totally crazy by saying that and asking that question. But maybe by the end, you'll say, you know what? Suffering has played an important part in my life. And so I maybe can be a little thankful for it. Well, as we go through this text this morning, you're going to see that there's kind of a compare and contrast. And so I want to just show you visually what that looks like. Views on suffering. If you approach it from a world point of view and you approach it from the creator's point of view, you're going to have some different ideas when it comes to this idea of what suffering is and how we should deal with it. And the first thing you're going to see is that the world says, for the most part, people shouldn't suffer. And that God says rejoice because suffering refines your faith. Now, I, I, at a time in my life, I went to uh, the emergency room almost Every year, uh, once a year at least. I don't know why. Uh, I have broken nose, broken arm. Uh, I've burned my hand really bad. Uh, they, they got to know me on a first name basis at the emergency room. It was a time period in my life where it was just I was you know growing up as a boy, and I thought, hey, this is what life is about, right? Just injuring yourself. But whenever you injure yourself, you know you want to be relieved. And so you typically go to uh, the doctor or you go to the emergency room in this case because I needed faster relief. And, uh, and they, would, they would go ahead and give you some sort of medication, sew you up, I don't know, reset your arm, whatever it was. And, and that would hopefully give you some type of relief. Well, we have emotional suffering we go through and we typically look for ways to relieve that suffering as well. And the world is pretty good at finding ways to help us relieve that suffering. And oftentimes, it's just to find a way to escape suffering. They can be challenged with a circumstance in their life, challenged with some type of suffering, and we think to ourselves, if I just ignore it, 
turn on the TV, go hang out with my buddies, whatever it is. I can ignore that suffering and push it away. Because overall, the world says we shouldn't have to suffer. We're going to be challenged today because the Creator says, let's rethink this a little bit and say, you know what? Suffering actually refines your faith. So we're going to take a look at that as we move forward in the text. This is another point that the world says people really should not be ridiculed. They shouldn't be made fun of. They shouldn't have, you know, it shouldn't be called names, whatever it is. People shouldn't be ridiculed. But the Creator is going to point out, no, if you're ridiculed, it could be that there's confirmation of the Holy Spirit in your life. Now, hopefully that makes a little bit more sense as we get into the text. But the idea here that Peter's challenging his audience with is, if you stick your neck out for Jesus Christ and you're ridiculed, there's evidence there that the reason you're sticking your neck out for Christ is because you love Him and you're in a relationship with Him. Okay? So being ridiculed is actually confirmation. Paul talks about it quite a bit in his writings. He talks about it as fruits of the Spirit. When you do what's right, you do what's good, you have these fruits of the Spirit, people see it. And it's evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life. Another thing that the world has to say about suffering is suffering should only happen for criminals. Those who break the law. Well, the Creator is going to say, no, suffering is going to happen for those who follow Jesus as well. Okay? And the last point we'll take a look at is I think the world just says, hey, live like you're a God. You get to make decisions of your own, for your own life. You get to decide what's, what's good on your own terms. But the Creator says we need to live like God is God and submit ourselves to Him and follow Him and go His direction. So I think you're going to see that as you go through this passage, you begin to see, okay, this is what the world has to say, and this is what our Creator has to say. And our Creator is going to challenge us time and time again to accept suffering as actually a good thing. As crazy as that might sound, suffering could be a good thing. So just to kind of recap, we talked about this a little bit uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, Ray Ortland, I took this from him. <coughs> Excuse me. I thought he broke it down really nice from the Gospel Coalition. He wrote an article on it and defined the different types of suffering or broke them up into categories in these three different kinds. Here's what he has to say. You have deserved suffering. And that's the type of suffering where you go out and you do something wrong and then you have consequences for it. Um, now, there's a lot of different ways that could happen. Maybe there's something in a relationship you did something wrong, and, hey, that, that relationship is, is hurting, and there's suffering involved in there. Uh, it could be that every, every morning on your way to work, you're buying a $5 cup of coffee, and by the end of the month, you realize you don't have enough money to pay your bills, and you're starting to suffer. You brought that on yourself type of thing, right? So those are our things deserve suffering. That's when we do something and we reap the consequences for it, Okay? Then there's innocent suffering, and that's the kind of suffering that uh, really you had no control over. It just happened. We live in a messy world, a messed up world, a world that has sin in it, and because of that, people, people suffer. A three-month-old who gets diagnosed with leukemia, that family is going to suffer greatly, right? Did that three-month-old do anything to bring that on? No, it's just part of being in this messed up world. And there's innocent suffering going on. Those types of things. So, and then there's the, um, the righteous suffering. And that's when you choose to do what's right. You stick your neck out there. You, you go ahead and you follow what you believe God's wanting you to do. And in the midst, you suffer because of it. Right? 
So just to give you an example of something like that, uh, this week we found out, and many of you know, we, we have a, a foster child, Carter. He's been with us since he was four days old. He's, what, 14 months or getting close to 14 months now. And, uh, and he's pretty much part of our family. And so here we've been going through, and, you know, he's every day, take care of him. And, um, well, it comes, as time goes by, they're always looking for placement, family, and so forth. And so they found out recently that Grandma and Grandpa are going to move to Idaho and, and want to adopt him. And so he's most likely, like I'd say 90% sure, going to be leaving our family. There's going to be some suffering there for our family because we're attached, Right? But you know that's you know that's going to happen when you step into it, and you agree to do it. But you accept it because it's the right thing to do. That's righteous suffering. So those are some examples. And of course, when you go out there and you live out your faith, and maybe you're going to be um, persecuted for your faith, and people are going to call you, you know, stupid for being a Christian. Or I don't know, whatever they would for being a believer in Jesus Christ. They may slander you. That's another type of suffering that happens for, for doing the right thing. So those, those are at least give you an idea of the different types, different categories for suffering. And I think that's important because as we move forward, the two main types of suffering we're going to talk about are the innocent and the righteous. At least that's what I think Peter's dealing with. Mainly the righteous suffering But we also know that in our world, there's just suffering that comes along that helps shape and mold us, and God allows for that suffering to happen as well. Now, the deserved suffering is more of a discipline. When we do something wrong, God disciplines those he loves, or it's a consequence to our action. And uh, and I don't know that that Peter is necessarily dealing with, with that suffering in this situation. Question to ask ourselves, do I live with the expectation that God wants me to feel happy or that God wants me to grow. Now, as you read that statement, you may be saying, well, does God have a problem with me being happy? Notice I put the word feel in there. Because I think we can be happy positionally. The Bible talks about how we should have joy and peace in God. We can be happy, but not always feel happy. Feeling is, is that emotion. And we love that feeling, right, of being happy. You know, you're going to get together maybe on Thursday, and some of you are going to go, and you're going to have a good time. It's going to be a happy time. For some of you, it's going to be a painful time. I understand that. Nobody chuckled. I thought some of you would be like, okay, maybe not. Maybe all of you guys are going to have a happy time. Don't even get that. All right, so, but some of you are going to go and have a happy time. You're going to feel good. It's going to be warm, and it's going to be wonderful, it's going to be great. That's a great feeling. And there are times when we, can, can we just be like that all the time? 100% of the time? Now, I know in Christ I always have joy. I always have peace. But there are times when I'm sad. There are times when it hurts. There are times when I'm jealous. There's times when I'm angry. There's times when I have all these other emotions, jealousy, and those types of things that come into my life. God takes those and helps me grow with those emotions, with those feelings. He can help us grow through situations we don't always feel happy, but we know positionally we are happy because we always have joy and peace in knowing God. But a lot of us want to feel it. 
And so yeah, I want to ask that question of myself, and hopefully you can ask that question for yourselves. Do you live with the expectation that God wants you to feel happy or that God wants you to grow? And hopefully you say, no, I know God wants me to grow, and there are times in my life where things may happen, and I need to grow, and I may be sad, I may be angry, I may be unhappy, I may feel unhappy at that time, but God's using it to cause growth in your life. The human mind is going to require a little reprogramming to embrace suffering. And here's why. Because the human mind typically wants to escape suffering. That's the world we grew up in. And so we're going to have to actually reprogram ourselves a little bit. And that's the direction we're going as we move forward into 1 Peter 4, chapter 12. Let's take a look at the first point, And that is this, that joy can indeed come from suffering. Verses 12 through 14. Okay? Reprogram the mind. Let's not escape suffering. Let's embrace it a little bit and understand, first and foremost, that joy can come from suffering. Here's what he has to say. Dear friends, don't be surprised when the fiery ordeal comes among you. Now, if you go back and you look at the original text and what he's talking about there in the fiery ordeal, the the phrase he uses here is the same type of phrase you would use when you go and you refine uh, gold or you refine silver and you heat it up and it it melts and then eventually, as enough heat is applied, the impurities rise to the top and then those impurities can be skimmed off. In life, you're going to feel like that, that you're going to go through times and periods in your life where that the trials are heating you up. They're burning you in, so to speak. And it brings to the surface some impurities in our lives. Maybe that's when the anger comes to the top. Maybe that's when jealousy comes to the top. Maybe that's when we begin to realize that we're selfish in an area that we've never noticed before. Those things rise to the top and we identify them. And hopefully when we do, we process them and we realize, hey, I can give this over to God, ask for forgiveness, and move on. Friends, don't be surprised when these things happen. And, and we're, we're going under trials and, and tribulations, persecutions, afflictions, suffering. And, and through that, we're re- being refined to be more like Christ. I like how Romans 5 puts it. Therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith okay, in Jesus Christ, we now have peace. Okay, we're no longer at war with, our, with God. No longer at war with God. We're in a relationship with him. There's that position. Okay, I know that's the position I'm in. I may not always feel that way, but I know that's the position I'm in. I'm right with God through Jesus Christ. So then we have, P, or we know that it's through Christ. We have obtained then access. So now we have this, this access to God through Christ by faith into grace, something that we don't deserve, which he gave to us, in which we stand. So we stand before God. We sing a song here called, Boldly I Approach the Throne. At, at some point you may go, oh, I, don't, I don't feel comfortable with that. Well, read Romans 10. It's an incredible passage about how it talks about how we can boldly approach God, the Father. And not because of of what we've done, but because of what Jesus Christ has done. Because we come through Christ. We boldly approach Him, we can stand before Him, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So that's something we can easily rejoice in, right? I I have access to God, I have a relationship with God. It's awesome, it's wonderful. Let's praise God for that. But he continues on, verse 3. And not only that... 
I wish he would have ended verse 2, right? But he doesn't. He goes, not only that, we also rejoice in our afflictions, our trials, our sufferings. Because we know that those afflictions produce endurance if we move forward in our affliction. Now, if affliction comes and we escape and we run away from it and we ignore it, then we're not going to grow. We're not going to endure. But if we see it for what it is and we deal with it, we actually endure. We move through it. Endurance produces proven character. We, def- we have this character that's built inside of us. Yes, we've endured through that struggle. We've endured through that suffering, that pain. And then that produces hope because we know ultimately that there is a, a greater end result. In fact, he goes on just as a reminder. I always find this verse interesting. We know hope's a good thing, but Paul wanted just to make sure you remember hope's a good thing. Hope will not disappoint us. Right? Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. We're not disappointed by this hope. We're not disappointed in pursuing Christ because it's wonderful. It's a great place to be. And I think that's what Peter continues to point to as he moves forward. So don't be surprised when these things come our way. Instead, verse 13, rejoice. Rejoice as you share in the sufferings of Christ. Christ began the whole suffering process. You see him as he walks upon the earth. He's being persecuted. He's having people say all kinds of bad things about him. He's brought before uh, people and, and entered into arguments and debates. And then ultimately, he's tried. He's convicted. He goes to the cross. He's beaten. He's mocked, laughed at, nailed, crown of thorns pressed on his brow, whipped, left bleeding, ashamed, naked, hanging on a cross. He started that suffering process. And now he's resurrected. He's come to the church. and He says, here, church, you have the gospel. Here, you're supposed to go out and proclaim this wonderful, wonderful gospel. But you also need to understand, with it comes some suffering. Because just like Christ suffered, we're going to suffer. If we're out there pursuing him, we're out there preaching and teaching the gospel, there's going to be suffering that comes with it. Christ started it. We're going to share in that suffering so that we will also rejoice with great joy when his glory is revealed. If we continue thinking forward that that hope that we have down the road, we know that one day this temporary suffering will, will turn into eternal wonder when we're in heaven. So as he points to that, rejoice, rejoice over this suffering. If you are ridiculed for the name of Christ, which the world will do, if you are ridiculed, you are blessed. Why does he have to tell us we're blessed? Because oftentimes when we think we're ridiculed, we're not blessed. That's the world we live in, right? You're not blessed if you're made fun of or ridiculed. But he says, yes, you are. You are blessed because here's why the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. You know that you are his child. If you are willing to stick your neck out there and you know you're going to be ridiculed, you know people are going to slander you, you know people are going to put down your faith, and you're taking a stand for it, and you're enduring through it, and you're producing that character, then there is evidence that the Holy Spirit is at work in your life. That's the fruit of the Spirit. When you maintain your faith through those fiery ordeals. Joy can come from suffering. If you want to see an example, here's a great one, and that's in Acts chapter 5. Now, just to set it up a little bit, 
the, the apostles that had already gone out and they had already shared uh, as the early church is, is beginning to go out and proclaim the gospel. And, and they're arrested and they're brought before the Sanhedrin and they begin to talk to them about their, their faith. And they say, hey, we don't want you sharing about Jesus Christ. We've already crucified him. Let him go. And they're like, no, we have to. We have the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is telling us to do this. And so there's a little bit of debate back and forth. And this guy, Gamaliel, he stands up and he says, listen, Sanhedrin, listen, people. If this faith, if this Jesus was not the Son of God, then it'll go away. These guys will go away, and eventually they'll disappear. But, and he, he kind of prophesies here without even knowing it, but he says, if Jesus Christ is the Son of God then this faith will continue. And so they, they kind of reflect on that, and they think, yeah, okay, that makes some sense. And so they decide to call the apostles back in, and here's what they do. After they called the apostles, they had them flogged, okay? Flogging is whipping people. It's not like, hey, we're just going to come in and slap you on the wrist and let you go. Okay, it's whipping, and it's usually done public cause, so it can be an embarrassment People would say, why are they being flogged? Well, they're being flogged because the Sanhedrin has condemned them, that sort of thing. And so it would be a public thing. They'd be embarrassed. They'd be hurting. They'd be beaten. Okay, it says they come in, they have them flogged, and they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and release them. Then they went out, the apostles went out from the presence of the Sanhedrin, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to be treated shamefully on behalf of the name. I don't know that that would have been me. Would that be you? Yeah, I got whipped for Jesus. You know, like, man. They went out rejoicing because they knew why they were being beaten. They knew why they were being shamed. It's because Christ, the Holy Spirit, was in their life. They had great joy. Joy can come from suffering. Now, a question that often comes up in the midst of suffering uh, that I'll hear is, is people will come and say, Pastor Ryan, there's some things going on in my life, and, and maybe through walking through that ordeal, um, at some point I usually hear this question, did I do something wrong? Did I do something wrong that brings this suffering into my life? And sometimes, like we started off with, sometimes there, are, there is deserved suffering. Like, well, you, you made these poor choices and this is the consequence. But there are other times when it doesn't. Like, it's just an innocent suffering. So understand this. The suffering does not always mean, suffering does not mean you did something wrong. And I think that's what Peter talks about here because the people probably started asking the question, you know, a couple thousand years ago. They're asking, okay, we've, we've given our life to Christ. We've started this church in our local community, and now we're starting to be persecuted for our faith. Are we doing something wrong? Does God not like us? Are we doing something wrong in our faith that he's saying, hey, you guys aren't doing things right, so he's disciplining us? And I think they might be asking those questions just like sometimes you and I ask those questions. Did I do something wrong? And so Peter reassures him in this passage. Verse 15, he says, Let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or a meddler. But if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in having that name. This is one of the only other times, well, you see it a few times in 
in Scripture. In the book of Acts, you have the church at Antioch, and there it says they were called Christians for the first time. So this word Christian appears here as well in 1 Peter. And Christian is the idea of being associated with Christ, a follower of Jesus Christ. It says, you are Christians, and you may suffer as one who is associated with Christ. Don't be ashamed of that. Now, why would people be ashamed of that? Because oftentimes the world says you suffer because you do something wrong. And so the, the people would be pointing out, look, you Christians, you guys are suffering. You must be doing something wrong. God must not like you. God must be mad at you because you're suffering. And so Peter says, listen, if you're suffering, it's not necessarily because you did something wrong. It may be that God's teaching you something. It may be innocent suffering. Or it may be a righteous suffering where you've put your life on the line or you put your neck out there and, and it's starting to get chopped off, so to speak. Um, don't be ashamed. Verse 17, for the time has come for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, that'll be the outcome for those who disobey the gospel of God. And if a righteous person is saved with difficulty, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Now, to explain this, here's what I'd like you to do. Take a group of people, and we're going to put them over here, and these are the people who have believed in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And you have a group of people over here who have denied Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Over here in this group of believers, you've got some people who have been persecuted greatly, some who have gone to prison, some who have been murdered, some who have maybe just been laughed at, all kinds of different degrees of persecution over here, some far worse than others. Over here, you've got a bunch of people who don't believe in Jesus Christ, and some of them treat Christians terribly. They're the ones that put them in jail. They're the ones that have killed them. And other ones are like, eh, it's no big deal. Let them believe what they're going to believe, and we're going to believe what we're going to believe. So you have two different groups with all kinds of hostility, all types of hostility towards Christians. Believers, unbelievers. And I think what Peter's doing here is he's grouping them all together and generally saying these believers over here suffer, but they understand that their suffering is temporary and what is to come is far greater. And so they keep their hope fixed on what is to come. But this group over here Regardless of how hostile or maybe not hostile they've been to to unbelievers, they haven't believed in Jesus Christ. And because they haven't believed in Jesus Christ, then they have to pay for their own sins because they haven't trusted Christ to pay for their sins. And that condemns them to eternal suffering. And so he says to his audience, listen, for a time you're going to suffer, and I understand that. And sometimes maybe it's because you did something wrong. Sometimes it's an innocent suffering. Sometimes it's a righteous suffering. But you're going to suffer, and it's going to be temporary. But the outcome is eternal life and glory. Keep your eyes fixed on that. Hold tight to that. Hold tight to it. Not all people suffer because they did something wrong. The last point in this passage is verse 19. And maybe it's the one that we struggle with the most. And that is in the midst of suffering, regardless of whatever kind it is, whatever category it fits into, we ask this question, why? Why, God? Why am I suffering? 
what Peter points us to in verse 19 is that our faithful creator can be trusted in those times. Uh, there have been times in my life where I've sat in a hospital room and there's an elderly person and they're, they're passing away and you've watched them, maybe you've watched this as well, and, and their body is, is fighting to stay alive. And there'll be a time when maybe a minute goes by or maybe 30 seconds and, and you think, I wonder if they've taken their last breath and all of a sudden they'll gasp and they'll, they'll breathe again. And almost always in those moments, the family is watching this and they're waiting for that time when they, they pass. But as they're watching, they're asking this question, why? Why doesn't God just take them? You see them fighting? Why? You ever been there? Been in situations where you're watching families go through things and you're like, why, God? Sat and sang hymns with people and, and, and they're, they're watching a loved one pass and you're like, this is hard. And you ask that question, why? I don't have answers in those situations. The hardest part is a pastor, you're like, oh, I wish I, I could go into theological explanations and be like, this is why, you know. And I, I realize at that point, you just can't. The only thing you can say is, I don't know why, but I do know God can be trusted. I don't know why, but God can be trusted. That's what Peter says here at the end. Look at what he says in this verse. So then, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust themselves to a faithful creator while doing what is good. We trust the creator in the midst of a time of suffering. When it's difficult, we pursue God. We, we follow through with his will. We keep doing what's good and what's right, even though we may be asking all along the way, why? I don't understand why we're suffering through this, but I still believe God is good. 2,000 years ago, you had people who were, who were going out there, and they were living for Christ. There was a guy who came along, Nero, and he was persecuting the Christians, and he was taking them and putting them in prison. He was, he was dipping them in wax and using them as candles. I mean, there were all kinds of just nasty things that were happening, persecution that was taking place. And you, you watch those types of things or hear those things unfold. You can go to today and hear about the persecution that's happening all across, all across our world. So we're in the story of a guy who's put in a coffin. They put nails all the way through on both sides of the coffin. So he barely had any room, and he had to stand there for several days. That was his, his torments as a Christian. That's just in our recent history. If he leans one way, he gets poked. leans another way, he can't. He just has to stand there. People are, are persecuted. And we have to ask that question, Why? I don't know, but I know God is good. I know that he has a purpose for us. Ephesians 2.10, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. He prepared them for us to do. He has a reason and a purpose for each of us and to continue pursuing him and grow through some really difficult times and continue to trust him through those. 
There's some people in this room have gone through more difficult times than I have gone through. I've watched as, as they've cried. I've listened to the, the stories. I've watched tears flow down their cheeks, and they've asked that question, why? Sometimes all we can say is, God is good through it. Maybe one day it'll make sense. But just trust that he's good through it. And know this, that one day he too suffered greatly when he hung on the cross. The father suffered as he watched his son die. And he gave us eternal life through that. And if that kind of suffering brings us eternal life, then maybe this suffering in our lives will bring hope to ourselves and to others around us if we continue through it. So a couple things to challenge us to respond as we come to a close this morning. One, pray for a God-like understanding of suffering. You've been in, you know, life group or in situations where people are, are bringing up prayer requests and, and without, <clears throat> I, I don't know, it just seems like really common uh, that, that at any moment somebody will bring up, you know, hey, I've got this situation in my life, maybe this health situation, or, and we want to pray for God to help us escape from it, be free from it, change the circumstance. So for us to actually embrace, embrace suffering, we have to have our minds changed a little bit. And maybe ask the question, can I grow through this? Can God use it in my life to shape and mold and make me, help me endure this suffering so that it produces a character? Pray for God-like understanding of our suffering. Sometimes, and I'm not saying we shouldn't ever ask God to help us or relieve us of suffering or anything like that, but I think we should have at least the, the idea, the mindset that, yes, we will go through times when we suffer and we hurt, and those times are there to help us grow. And then the last one is this. Identify areas where you question God's goodness. maybe due to some type of suffering, and then walk through these areas with a trusted friend. And I think this is the important part. So as you're walking in, in your faith, there's without a doubt a time in your life where you're going to struggle or you're going to see somebody else struggle, and you're going to ask that question, okay, God, are you good through this? You may not verbally say it, but in your mind you're going to start asking those questions. Is God good? Can I trust him through this? Because, boy, it just seems like there's a struggle here, and I don't understand. If God is really loving, if God is really good, then, then why is there so much pain and suffering and all that type of thing? I mean, you're going to have those types of questions. And so identify those areas. Maybe you already have, and you haven't deal, dealt with them. Identify those areas, and then walk through these areas with a trusted friend, a friend who's going to pray with you and take you to Scripture and read Scripture with you. Not a friend who's going to be like, hey, let's ignore this. And let's go and party and have a good time and get it out of your mind for a while. I think there's, there's time for rest and that sort of thing. Don't get me wrong. But we also need to deal with circumstances and suffering and trials of our life. Find a trusted friend, someone who you can go to, who you respect, and say, how can we work through this? Because I'm really struggling right now in my faith to trust that God is good. Find that trusted friend and walk through those. So I want to leave you with those couple of thoughts. And, uh, and like I say, every, 
Well, here recently we've been ending our services and just giving you some time to respond. So maybe you have uh, on your response card, you want to use those. By the way, if you're new today and and you'd like us to follow up with you, we'd love to do that. Fill out that response card and and you could drop it on the plate. We'd love to follow up with you this week. Uh, Maybe you have a piece of paper somewhere on your phone. You take notes or something like that. But can you identify some areas that maybe you're struggling to understand what God's will is or why he's doing what he's doing? And then can you identify some people that you can go to who you trust will pray with you and point you to Scripture? Identify those. Write those down. Reflect on those. And this week, I want to challenge you to to follow through with that. Father, thank you for our time together. I know that this is one of those kind of messages we're probably not going to leave all, all excited about it. But, Father, I trust that we're going to leave challenged. And we're going to leave and go out this week and think through uh, the, the different types of circumstances, trials, suffering we may have in our life. And maybe even this week we'll be thankful for those trials. Because those trials help us to grow in our faith and be more like you. So take some time to reflect now. A moment of silence for you to reflect on those And then we'll close in a song.